0: guys here. If you guys are new here, um, thank you for coming. Uh, Tonight's a little different. We have uh, Cameron is at a meeting trying to collect big bucks for us for Hosa Palooza, and uh, he had to go talk to the village and ask uh, for money. So last year they gave us like 500 bucks, so it's worthwhile missing part of the time. So anyway, um, bad boys. We're going to talk about bad boys tonight. And this isn't, even though I mention bad boys, I want you to understand, boys, if I do say that from time to time, you can flip it and it could be a bad girl, okay? So I'm gonna talk about troublemakers, bad boys, and uh, we're gonna discuss that a little bit. Um, I definitely believe that we are definitely in some need of some troublemakers, big time troublemakers. I don't think there's enough troublemakers around, really. And, uh, you know what, you like that. I I was just, I said to Shelby that I am like, it's interesting, I'm speaking about troublemakers and you guys honestly all sat down so calm and behaved. I'm like, you're the best behavior I've ever seen you guys tonight. I'm like, what's up? But I'm looking to have somebody all be all like crazy and troublemaker-like. You guys are rule takers and and, uh, no problems. So, yeah. So who is a troublemaker? (laughs) Are you troublemakers out there? Who's willing to admit it that they are a troublemaker? All right, all right. All right, well, who is a troublemaker? It's a person who either consciously or unconsciously causes trouble. So you may not even be aware of it, that you do it. It may be something that you cause and don't even realize when you walk into a room. But uh, I want to talk to you real quick about what a troublemaker does and, and who they are. Troublemakers cause trouble wherever they go. There's just something about them. Their presence shows up even before they do. There's an air of expectancy when they're around. There's excitement in the air. You could never and would never, ever describe them as being boring or just so so. They are what we mentioned last week in the vision poem dangerously attractive to those people that are around them. You could even describe them as somewhat unsafe. Why? Well, because they trouble the people that's around them. By definition, they agitate them. They worry them. They even disturb them mentally or spiritually. They cause a physical reaction in those people that they're around. There's tension. You can sense it. And they even bring upon the fight or flight reflex inside of us. They confuse your brain, their reactions. And they cause people to feel unbalanced, unsure of themselves. And they don't know where it is even that they're going. They exhaust and inconvenience the people that they're around. And they never make it easy on them but they are never, ever boring. Never dull, never even the same old, same old, ever. I love troublemakers. I love troublemakers. Give me a troublemaker anytime, Because they are attractive. They're attractive. Troublemakers, bad boys, bad girls, we like them. We like them. I'm sure there's not one person out there that can't truly somewhat kind of admit that. There's something about the bad boy. Well, we don't want to talk about brothers and sisters, you know. The thing about a troublemaker is they are attractive, and we like them, and God likes them. God likes a troublemaker. And I'm going to talk to you about um, a major troublemaker in the Bible. And that was Saul, who later had his name changed to Paul. It doesn't actually say in the Bible that God changed his name. A lot of times you'll see in the Bible when you're reading that God will have changed a name and give it to him. But actually, Paul, has uh, it was kind of like describing the Bible that Paul himself changed his name. That um, Saul actually stands for prayed for or asked for, but Paul later on turns into and translates to small. So it's kind of interesting because here he is, this bad boy, with this bad attitude, and uh, really probably filled with more pride at that time. And it's interesting because once he really understood what Jesus was all about, he just kind of like changed his whole attitude and really became more humble and small and recognized that he was really nothing in the great scheme of things. So if you look at Saul, like I said, who later becomes uh, Paul, he's a man who had passion. And you know what? You didn't doubt it one bit. You didn't doubt it. He was out to kill Christians. And he was going to chase them down and hound them to death. That was his whole entire plan. You know, there's passion there. You know, there is no better prospect for God to want to have on his team and someone that's that passionate. You know, because if you want to kill somebody with that much passion, chances are, if you get right with God, you know what, you're going to probably have as much passion to save them as you would want to kill them. You know, there's just something really amazing about people who are extremely passionate. Um, right now, in the Illinois Valley, LaSalle, Prue, Oglesby, Mendota, there are some major troublemakers out there walking the streets. And God can't wait to get his hands on them. Can't wait. He's like, man, get them saved. Get them figured out because you know what? I need people of passion. I need people to do some amazing things. You know, these people have chutzpah. You ever hear that? They have drive. They have a willingness to put themselves out. You know, they're the ones that stay up late and get up early. They wreck havoc. It's crazy. You know, they take the chances. They're rolling the dice. They're gambling all the time at the drop of a hat. They're dangerous. They're dangerously attractive. There's something about them that makes you go, hmm, when they walk in a room. People flock to them. They just flock. A lot of times that you will see somebody that has um, this troublemaker attitude, they're very attractive to the people around them. They tend to have people following them everywhere. They're leaders. They're true leaders. And if you want to talk about what leadership is, leadership is nothing more than influence. They have an opportunity, there's something about them that influences the people around them to want to be around them and and be next to their side. Like I said, we want troublemakers. I want them. (laughs) I live for a troublemaker because I'll tell you what, some of the biggest troublemakers I've ever had come in here and they do amazing things for God. Um, What better person to have on your side than somebody who has such a lifestyle of just abandonment? Just go, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're like the bull in the china closet theory, you know. It's like they just don't think about everything, but they're just going. They're just moving. They're just always on the, do. you know, doing and accomplishing things. And uh, Paul, he began using his powers for good and not evil. And he accomplished so many amazing things for the kingdom of God out of that passion. He wasn't milk toast. Do you guys know what that means? That means that he wasn't easily dominated, that he wasn't mild, he wasn't ineffective, he wasn't namby-pamby, he wasn't wishy-washy, he wasn't all that, you know? He was a man that had amazing direction, opinions. Some of the most opinionated person you will probably ever see. I mean, this is a man that did amazing things. And he was willing to make many... not just a few, but many enemies out of what he did. Paul didn't care if people liked him. It didn't matter. He didn't care if they hated him. And when he actually did care, when there's times where later on you'll see and he writes in letters back to the, the certain churches, when he does recognize that he cares, he says he wants to put that part of himself to death because he realizes that to be liked by men is his undoing. It's not going to work that way. So, in Acts 17.6, in the message, the Bible says that Paul and Silas were described by the people as those who were out to destroy the world, and there was a fear of them because now they were in the neck of the woods, the people's neck of the woods, and on their doorsteps, and they were attacking everything that these people held dear. This is what we're supposed to do, people. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be out there destroying the world, and they're supposed to be afraid of us. We're supposed to be dangerously attractive. There's something about us that's supposed to be a draw when someone's dangerous and they're changing things, people hate them. And it's just the same way it is now. You start to do the things that cause people to hate you and uh, those people come into your presence and all of a sudden they get a little bit put off, you know, at their heart beats a little faster, they're a little bit more nervous around you. And you recognize that you start to upset the apple cart. You know, it's those people that, you know, come in and have something to say, and they kind of throw you off, and you don't know what to do. You know, these two guys were out there making the lives of the people just topsy-turvy, just crazy, crazy, off-kilter. There was no balance. There was no nothing. There was nothing they could, you know, they, they just didn't know how to act around them. You know, they were making people worry these people would come into Paul's and Silas's presence and they would start to breathe faster because they didn't know what they were going to say. Their hearts would beat faster thinking, what should I do? Should I be around him? Should I leave? You know, they, they caused a reaction wherever they went. There was just something that they put forth and all of a sudden they were, you know, bigger than life. Uh, last night, Chubby and I were watching. <laughs> I was told you, I'm kind of a reality freak, tele- television freak. I don't watch the real crazy ones, but... Um, bad boys cops man I love cops it's on TiVo it's like it's in there all the time I'm always hoping that there's a couple episodes of of cops for B to C, you know there's nothing like a guy running from the law with a white beater on and and uh, sit there you know being held by the cops and and uh, usually the cops are you know trying to take him down they're like I'm doing it officer I'm doing it and the whole entire time they're fighting the guy you know there's just something about it it's just really interesting to me I love watching it. I love those people that, you know, it never fails. You usually have some of those people that are uh, big time doing drugs, and they're like, no, there's nothing in the car, sir. go ahead, check out my car. It's completely fine. And then before long, like, what's this? Drugs? <laughs> you know, it's never fails. It's just the way it is. I don't know. I, I just love it. I just love cops. It's like reality in its finest, you know. What's really great, too, is not that the, co- the bad boys are attractive, but you know what, there's just something about a cop. Chasing the bad boys, that's attractive. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. But we were watching last night an episode of The Bachelorette. Yeah. Shelby slept through most of it, because usually Shelby says, let's watch TV, and usually she's like, in a second. And uh, I'm like, Shelby, did you see that? No, you're sleeping. She doesn't snore, no. I was just imitating. Every now and then she does. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're watching this episode of The Bachelorette, and this really nice-looking really attractive science teacher was on a date with this girl Deanna and even though he had the looks he was pretty good looking it was pretty soon that it was really evident that it wasn't going to be enough his looks wasn't enough he was a little too safe for her just a little too safe Uh, there was a sense of um you know she knew what she was going to get it was just going to be this this and this and there was no expectation of you know Craziness or, or not knowing what to expect, and it definitely wasn't enough excitement for her. She was looking for a dangerously attractive man. She was looking for someone who was a troublemaker, and so she sends him packing. Bye bye. You know, there he goes. He was really nice looking, just not good enough. You know, there's a saying that nice guys finish last. I hate to break it to you guys out there, but there's some truth in that. There really is. Because if you're not causing enough action that requires a reaction, they're not sticking around. I want you to understand that. You gotta let a girl kind of like do the pursue, the whole like chase. There's something about it. Um, There's sometimes there isn't enough movement because no one's moves. I see so many safe people. They do nothing. They accomplish nothing. You know, like I said, this guy was nice. But for him and for this romance, man, his niceness was the kiss of death. It was, see ya, and that was it. People aren't moved by niceness. You know, if niceness worked, corporations would be doing it everywhere. Niceness in itself does not move people. It just doesn't work. There's something about the challenge, the chase, you know, that people are drawn to. Um, A few weeks back, if you stayed for the theater and you watched... um, Andy Griffith with us. They were trying to set up Gomer with a date. And she wasn't very pretty. I mean, truthfully, I was really kind of surprised because they actually described her, which I never even knew they'd talk like that in them days. They called her a dog. And I was like, that's sad. But she wasn't very pretty. And Andy and Barney, what they kept doing constantly over and over again is they kept saying, uh, she's, really, she's really nice. She's just really nice. Is she pretty? She's really nice. She's really nice. And truthfully, sometimes nice is just not enough. It's just not enough to be there. Um, as a follower of Christ, as a person who uh, may be a believer, this is I'm talking to those ones who say that they are a follower tonight. Um, as a follower with your friends that aren't followers, we fool ourselves with the notion that if we are just nice enough to them, that surely they are going to want what we have. And uh, we waste a lot of time. A lot of time. You know, and then what happens is a lot of times a troublemaker shows up. Another girl. Or a more dangerous, attractive friend shows up from the world, and they're exciting, and they steal them away. It happens all the time. Um, You cannot... No matter how much you want to, you cannot change your friends through osmosis. It's not going to work. You can't be a real follower of Christ and go around by other people and think just the fact that you're in their presence that they're going to turn and follow after Christ. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Hanging out with them all the time is not going to make them a follower. It has to be done by their decision. We know that it has to be something not only that you speak with your mouth, but you have to believe in your heart. I get frustrated sometimes because everyone always says, oh, if you just confess it. No, 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 you're missing the whole part. Or they kind of gloss over the next part and believe in your heart. There is a big difference between just saying the words and believing it in your heart. True salvation takes place when you believe it here and you think that life was going to be horrible if it wasn't for the fact that you have understood what Jesus did for you. Um, There has to be a conversion. There has to be something that takes place. You know, if, if someone just says the words and nothing changes, there's nothing. There's no lifestyle change. There's nothing. You know, I think we have to really wonder whether or not we really have made the difference. There's a lot of people that sit there and talk to their friends, and their friends are like, "Yeah, well, I believe," and you know, stuff. And but they don't really deal with it. You know, they don't say the words. They're not really. Sometimes we don't make it dangerously attractive to them. we don't and i'll tell you what it is dangerously attractive to be a person who follows christ it's not melt it's not nothing it's passion it's constant change it's it's constant being off your on, on your game and, and having to stick with things and and then also step back, and it's just a, it's a dance, it's a game, it's all the time going on. You know, sometimes people say that they, you know, try to talk to their friends, they have a conversation. I know we talk, and I tell them about, you know, following after God and all this different stuff, and sometimes, though, we can just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and, talk and still say nothing. Say nothing at all. We still don't make it interesting. We still don't make it attractive. A lot of times it just looks boring. It looks boring. If someone, I mean, honestly, when I think about all the years that it took me to really like accept this, I was 28. I'm sure there was probably somebody that talked to me about it, but it wasn't dangerously attractive to me. It wasn't something that spurred me on and think, yeah, I want that. Now, sometimes there's just this bizarre attitude of how we converse with the, the world and And we say we want them to understand what Jesus has done for them, but yet we let them live in mediocrity. We don't stand up. We don't say there's things that you need to do and not do. And and there's a a real passion that you need to start seeking after. We need to ask ourselves if what we are showing them and what we are saying to them is even eliciting a response. Sometimes we talk, and we don't even ask them the question afterwards. We don't say, what do you think? You know, I'm really convicted on that because it was probably about two weeks I was talking to Cameron. I was saying to him, you know, sometimes I don't think that we ask the questions. You know, we do the talking. But, like, uh, I remember, like, not too long ago, I was at the post office and this guy was there and, you know, he's a new postmaster. And I was thinking, talking about, like, healing and stuff like that. He was saying that he wasn't feeling good and he was really sick. And I said to hey, him, I'll pray for him. And he's like, oh, thanks. You know, but why is it so hard to say to somebody, well, what do you believe about God? You know, what are your feelings about it? What do you think? I mean, I would never do it when he's busy and obviously sorting mail and there's people in and out. But, you know, you look for that time just to ask someone a question. Because sometimes people almost have to voice and speak out their disbelief to feel the conviction of God, to think, no, no, I am real. Sometimes we just need to converse, challenge somebody, speak to them. Action causes reaction. If we're not being active in the things that we do, we're not going to hear any reactive things back. It's not going to take place. With Paul and Silas, man, those troublemakers were changing the world. You know, um, in CYM, we've been here, oh, first week in June will be six years that I've led it. And um, it has been prophesied again and again and again that the youth and chosen youth ministries were going to be world changers. Consider, I consider them troublemakers. The world wouldn't like them. You know, and I believe that with all my heart. But it isn't really going to happen unless we truly understand that we do need to be the real, true uh, world changers and troublemakers. We're going to have to be bold. We're going to have to step up our game. We're going to have to make ourselves dangerously attractive and really seek out those people and let them wonder what it is about you. To be a troublemaker, you have to have integrity. Maybe that's why people don't have it Maybe that's why people aren't passionate Because maybe they're not living an integrity-filled life Paul had integrity When he wasn't following Jesus Man, he was the best Christian hater that there ever was He hated him and he hated him bad, you know And when he became a follower He showed great integrity to save him But the same passion That same passion that birthed inside his hatred Come out in love In the next respect Integrity definition is a steadfast adherence to a strict code what's strict in your life what are are your standards what's your what is is it that you believe what are you thinking I think sometimes we don't set our own boundaries we don't have our own steadfast rules and so we just kind of get all off and just confused and we don't even know what to share Um, I want to read to you chapter uh, 9 out of Acts not all of it but some of it and I want to read you. I'm going to read you a message. Um, it says here. This is Paul's conversion, and this is the thing that happened with Paul. You know, to go from a hatred-filled person to, to a person who was filled with nothing but love. It says, all this time Saul was breathing down the necks of the master's disciples out for the kill. He went to the chief priest, and he got arrest warrants to take to the meeting places of Damascus so that he found anyone there belonging to the way, whether men or women, he could arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. He set off, and when he got to the outskirts of Damascus, he was suddenly dazed by a blinding flash of light. As he fell to the ground, he heard a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? He said, who are you, master? He said, I am Jesus, the one that you're hunting down. I want you to get up and enter the city. In the city, you'll be told what to do next. His companions stood there dumbstruck. They could hear the sound, but they couldn't see anyone, while Saul, picking himself up the, off the ground, found himself to be stone blind. They had to take him by hand, And lead him into Damascus He continued blind for three days He ate nothing, drank nothing There was a disciple in Damascus by the name of Ananias The master spoke to him in a vision Ananias, yes master, he answered Get up and go over to the straight avenue Ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus His name is Saul He's there praying He has just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias Enter the house and lay hands on him so he could see again Ananias protested This is something you've got to think about "'Master, you can't be serious. "'Everybody's talking about this man "'and the terrible things that he's been doing. "'His reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem, "'and now he's shown up here with papers "'from the chief priests that give him license "'to do the same thing to us. "'But the master said, don't argue, just go. "'I have picked him as my personal representative "'to Gentiles, kings, and Jews, "'and now I'm about to show him what he's in for, "'the hard suffering that goes with this job.' "'So Ananias went and found the house, "'placed his hands on blind Saul and said, "'Brother Saul,' The master sent me, the same Jesus who you saw on your way here. He sent me so that you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got to his feet, was baptized, and sat down with them to a hearty meal. Saul spent a few days getting acquainted with the Damascus disciples, but then went right to work, wasting no time, preaching in the meeting places that this Jesus was the Son of God. They were caught off guard by this and not at all sure that they could trust him. They kept saying, Isn't this the man? who just wrecked havoc in Jerusalem among the believers. And didn't he come here to do the same thing, arrest us, drag us off to jail in Jerusalem for sentences by the high priest? But their suspicions didn't slow do- Saul down for even a minute. His momentum was up now, and he plowed straight into the opposition, disarming the Damascus Jews and trying to show them that this Jesus was the Messiah. See, so I said passion. Nothing slowed him down. He went straight from hatred to love in a blink of an eye. This is what can happen to every single person. That walks the face of this earth it doesn't matter how evil and how rotten they are you know what i think god says the worse the better give me someone with passion to kill passion to destroy passion to hate and you know what i'm going to turn that around because i'm god and i can do it and i'm going to give this person passion to show love and compassion and gentleness to the people and point them to me this is what i want you know that's that's the god we serve I don't want anybody to sit in here and see why I am every single week and think that this God is a nothing God. This is a God who is amazing. This is a God who does great things. I mean, he can change lives in a blink of an eye. He can make somebody who can see blind. He can take someone blind and let them see. He can just change everything. He's an amazing God. Paul had integrity, like I said. Integrity can be dangerous. In this world where people throw around their so-called Christianity... It can be quite unsettling to come face to face with someone who doesn't compromise at all and throw it all away. Paul was dangerous. Paul was dangerous. How do you change that quickly? Here these disciples are supposed to work alongside with a guy who was just trying to kill them. You talk about faith. We think it's rough when somebody tells us at school on the lunch line, you know, are you a holy ruler? We're persecuted. You know, that's not really that much persecution. Might be tough, might be a struggle, but believe me, nowhere near what persecution is. And if you think that's tough, just wait. If you're going to be serious, because it's going to get worse. You know what? I've been called many, many things. And you know what? God's word says, count it all as gain. Take it, love it, and move on. So you know what? It can be tough from time to time, but you deal with it. A person of integrity, a person that doesn't compromise—I'm going to tell you—they are very convicting when you walk up to them. If you're living a milk-toast Christian life, fake one, kind of half-hearted, when you come coming face to face with them, I'll tell you what—they are blindingly in your face. It's kind of like God was with Paul. There's nothing you can do but fall to your feet, just down, because there's something about them that when they don't compromise, it is amazing. I've seen that happen with many people who are true believers. Man, they cause destruction everywhere they go. People hate them. They're dangerous. They're dangerously attractive to those who are seeking it, repelling to those who absolutely want nothing of it. D.L. Moody said that you can tell a person's character by what he or she does in the dark. The measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he knew he would never, ever be found out. What do you do when you're in the dark? What kind of person are you really deep down in your heart? What kind of an integrity do you have? What is your strict code that you adhere to? What do you believe? What are your boundaries? I'll do this, this, and this, but I won't do this. I'll do that, not this. You have to set some boundaries up. You have to get some adherence to what your codes are here. What's your plan? Because if you don't have a code, if you don't have a plan, you don't have something set forth, you are going to be nothing but lunch this world lack of integrity is a milk toast christian it doesn't mean anything anything today proved it to me again proved it to me again i i'm i wish sometimes i didn't care i really really do matter of fact i there's times this job is is the most amazing job and there's times where i'm honestly the most beat down emotional job that you could possibly have because I care I care about people who used to be here and aren't here I care about people who come and don't come back I care about everything and I wish sometimes I I could just stop some of it but it's a God given thing Milk Toast Christians there was somebody that just the last couple days that put up a bulletin on on MySpace and they were asked um, the questions, you know, they always have those surveys everywhere, I'm always amazed because I'll be honest with you I never get two seconds to myself if I'm not studying or if I'm not doing housework, if I'm not doing church things or here or whatever. I'm always, like, amazed because I get, like, this much time to watch cops. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's, so there's very little time. But I always say these people are always so busy, but they, are, they spend hours and hours on the computer. So. But they put this bulletin on MySpace, and they were asked if they were a virgin, and they answered, not even close yet in the very next question they were asked what religion are you and they answered christian i'm thinking there's a disconnect there there's a disconnect there is no steadfast adherence to a strict code there is no integrity there's nothing there there's no integrity in that person do you think they're going to have anybody that's going to want anything that they have no all they're going to do is beget that same kind of an attitude fake no integrity um I think for the world, most of them, people don't even care about integrity anymore. They don't care. They don't care what it means. They don't care if people are, ha- th- that they have integrity. Um, integrity actually means a state of being unimpaired, having a soundness or a wholeness. So I think we can see that if you're not living it, I, don't, I just don't understand. To be a troublemaker, you also have to be intense. You have to be intense. You have to be a person that just honestly sets people on edge. Paul was an intense. You know, he is a person that caused a response no matter where he went. Paul and Silas intensely believed this intense message that they had. They intensely believed it. If you don't believe it intensely, you're never going to communicate it intensely. It's not going to happen. For them it was life and death. And they believed it, so they were like living it intently. You know, I I want to be intense. I seek to be. I want to be intense with all my heart, and I do choose to be. Um, there were a lot of times years ago, like if you watch television and and uh, you listen to some of these old time preachers that were uh, on the street corners, even. Um. They're mocked all the time because they would go up to people and they would tell them that they need to change their life, that they need to seek after God. And this was this fire and brimstone kind of teaching, you know, that if you don't change, you know, that Jesus could come back and, and things could, you know, you could be done. Telling people that they need to accept him, that they need to turn their heart over to him and, and you know, Ask for forgiveness for their sins to be saved and, and do all those things that the Bible tells us that we make fun of now and call Holy Roller. They would do these things. And I want you to understand, that message is still here today. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to preach it here because it's the truth. It's God's word. And I do intently believe one thing for sure, and that's God's word. I believe it with all my heart that this is real. People will sit there and say it's, it's contradictory. Then you've never read it. Because I can tell you after reading it six times, it doesn't contradict itself once. And I'm not saying that because I have blind faith. I'm telling you because it's real. But the one thing I want you to know, and I try to tell everybody here all the time, is don't believe me. Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. You seek it. You see if it's real. You see if it contradicts. You check it out. You know, people tell us everywhere. We can go through schools every single day and listen to what a teacher tells us, you know, A lot of those people tell us everything, and we're like, oh, okay, we believe it. But for some reason, somebody gets in a church, and they're like, well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you'll believe other things. You don't believe somebody because, you know what, we don't want to believe this. Because, you know what, if we start to believe what God's word says, there's going to have to be some changes made in our lives. So people have a hard time believing it. They don't want to have integrity. You know, I'd rather, much rather, much, much rather be intense here today for you and tell you either accept it or deny it, Then you be intensely hot for the rest of your life, for eternity. I'd rather be intense right now. I'd rather have you have an opportunity, honestly, truthfully, to say what I'm saying and have you, you can get up and give me the finger. I don't care. It's fine with me. Because I intently believe it and I want you to intently at least think about it. Think about who you are. Where are you headed? What's your path? What's your future? I intensely believe that the message of Jesus, dying for your sins and coming back to life and saving your souls, is all that's going to matter. Everything. That's the one thing. I am drawn to intense people. I love intense people. You ever meet those people They have such passion. Even I don't care what they do. Um, I like watching Dave. I love watching Dave do magic because he likes it and he's intent about it. You know, you sit there and watch Dave doing a magic trick. It's, it's, it's interesting because he's intent. He likes it. You know, if you watch, the, John is one of those people that everything he does, he's intent. He's very intense about the things that he likes. And, you know, he'll talk about certain things, about being a mechanic and stuff like that. You know, I might not understand it, but it's, in, it's interesting that you respect it because people have an intensity about him. You know, I watch some of the people up here, and you know what, just the jobs they do, you could even just be doing, the, you know, doing theater, helping with the food, and you know what, you do it with intensity, and it's what's great. Those are the people that I'm drawn to. You know what? I love troublemakers. I love them. I watch them. I'll tell you, there's some people that come in and out of here, and there's, there was a whole group of people not too long ago. I was like, man, we were so excited. We thought they were going to stick around, then they left. They were troublemakers. It's like, those are the people. It's like, you know what? You're just like, yeah, stick around. Let, me, let, us, let us try to see get if you could get this, and, and you could turn around and you could do amazing things and be a troublemaker for God. Troublemakers challenge us. You know, a lot of times they anger us from time to time. That's true. But they always elicit a response, don't they? You're around those people, and sometimes you're just like, can't believe it. But you know what? You're you're just, like, frustrated, or you're angry, or you're upset, or there's something. You have a response. There's those people that sometimes you just come in contact with, and there's just, like, nothing. There's no nothing. it's like, man, I love those people that challenge me. Because they do sharpen you. I think that... um, some of those people that are so intense and sharp, you know, they're, they're those people that um, make you really rethink every decision that you're going to make. You know, how it's going to affect your outcome. And, you know, should you do that? I don't know if you should do that. And sometimes it's like, well, yeah, I should do it that way. But sometimes when you talk to them, you're like, well, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't do it that way. Maybe I should think about this. Or let's, let's think about this. Maybe I should do it in a different way. And I think there's too many people in churches today that have no intensity. And the lack of a response in people's hearts causes no one to want to visit no one nobody why do you want to go if it's not anything that it means anything um i was thinking today (laughs) if you're around here you'll realize i come up with these really bizarre thoughts sometimes they make no sense ethan used to be the one that really appreciated it and i always liked it because he was like i like that I'm like, thanks, because my mind was crazy, and he got it, my craziness. So, But I was thinking today, when I was writing this message up, I was thinking, man, I'd rather be labeled a train wreck because, you know what, train wrecks always get noticed, don't they? Car wrecks, train wrecks. You know what, those people that honestly, when people come into your path, they're just like a nervous wreck, they can't stand it. You know, what? I'd rather be labeled a train wreck. Here she comes, she's just a wreck. I'd rather be that because, you know what, There's, everyone's going to notice. <laughs> Everyone's going to notice who I am. You know, I'd much rather be a bad girl for the good cause than a good girl for the bad cause. Any day, any day, I choose to be dangerous. I choose to speak up when I'm not supposed to. I choose to say, you know what, what about you? What about your life? Where are you going? Do you think about it? Do you care? You might not not care, but if you compare it with what God's word says, do you know the outcome? Do you know what can happen? Um, I think there's way too many happy where they are Christians in churches today. You know, they're just saddled, satisfied. They're not attractive. <laughs> believe me. They repel someone who's, who's got intensity. I just look at them like, out of my way. Find me the intense troublemakers. That's what I want around me. Uh, too cowardly, too weak to speak up. Way too weak to ever say anything like, you know, that they believe around other people those people that never get involved in controversial subjects you know we never talk about politics and religion because we're gonna upset people it's like man guys i remember this guy this preacher one time he said man if you can't talk about politics and religion here this is something that's going to affect your whole entire outcome for the rest of your life politics and religion is what we're supposed to be talking about because this is life This is how you talk about it today Is going to be how you actually depend in your future Where you're going to end up in eternity forever You know they don't take a stand politically Some people never well, I just don't want to really like I don't want to say You know you go to uh, primaries I knew a couple people That I knew when I was growing up They would never go to a primary Because they would never declare If they were Republican or Democrat Man if you don't even want to declare Because you're too weak to believe it Then why even vote it I mean, I believe what I believe, and that's it. You know, these people are afraid to make waves because, God forbid, someone might not like us. You know? They might not like us. Half these people, you don't even see them again, ever again. Who cares if they don't like me? I don't care. So you don't like me. I don't don't really give a care. You know? People are afraid that they're going to be labeled a, Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. Um, troublemakers do all these things because they get involved. They participate. They're here. They exist. In chapter seventeen of Acts, the people of Thessalonica were unhappy with Paul and Silas being there. They were; these people were telling the Jews and the others who lived there that this Jesus was the Messiah that they were looking for all this time. You know, he, they spoke up. How many times have you chosen to stay silent when someone said something against what you believed? I know I have. I've done it in the past. I vowed to be more intense and not do it again. I'm going to start saying, no, no, no. That's not the Jesus I know. You know, Paul was sharing the Jesus who is the answer to all of life's problems. I told you that last week. I said, you know what? Here we are standing there. If someone has cancer, and we had the cure of cancer. We wouldn't just hold it behind our backs. We would offer it to Him and say, Here. Why is it that we don't offer the cure to all life's problems? Because truly, I can tell you, I was in depression. I was going to die. I knew I was. I was not going to make it because I had convinced myself that I was done, that life was over at 28. And you know what? I recognized that Jesus was the answer, Jesus was it. Paul was such a troublemaker that he demanded a response from the people that he came in contact with. And then others, too, became troublemakers around him. Acts 17.11 says, um, they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You know what? I pray to God you look at me and think, what a troublemaker. I want to see if she's right, and you start looking and say, is she right or is she wrong? That's what the Bereans did. That's what they did. They had this hunger. They're like, is he telling the truth? Or is he just making this stuff up? You know, if we start to be really the troublemakers that we're called to be, we can produce and reproduce more and more troublemakers. We could be a gang of troublemakers in no time. A gang. Um, I told you last week, this is a war. It's a battle. And this, right now, is a call to arms. My hope is that you're going to be a troublemaker, that you're going to actually join the army and work with me. Not fight against me. Not fight against me. It is going to cost you something to be a troublemaker. You know, you have to be willing to upset your friends. You're going to have to throw them off sometimes and say the wrong thing. You're going to have to shake up their world. You're going to have to be dangerously attractive or repelling. I know that's hard to believe. What? What? Because most of you think, well, I'm just their friend. And I know, I've heard the story, you're not here to judge them right, or you're not here to convert them. Well, let me explain to you. To convert means to bring over from one belief, view, or party to another. Either you believe it and you want it for them, or you don't. I believe that if you don't understand who Jesus is and you're not really following it, that you're going to go to hell. That's what God's word says. I believe it. I don't believe that you can get to heaven through Buddha. I don't believe that you can get to heaven through Confucius. I don't believe that you can get through heaven from LDS or any of those things. I don't believe it. Jesus says he is the only path to the Father. I believe what God's word says. So many people that sit there and say that they're Christians and they believe that, and they believe and they follow the Bible, they go into churches all the time and they say that they believe God's word, they still believe all this other garbage. It's not in here. So what kind of freaky religion are you following? I want to know. Because it's not the true one. It's not the real one that's based on the Bible and God's word at all. So, you know, you're, you're not going to judge them. You're not going to try to convert them. I find that so interesting because I want you to understand, believe me, I'll do what the old, old people used to do. Believe you me, they're out there to try to do that to you. Your friends are out there trying to Judge you and convert you. So if you're not trying to convert them and you're not judging them, and I'm not saying judgment as hurtful and rude, but you know what? Look at people's lives. Do it with love. Do it with compassion. You can do that. You know what? Do it with intensity. Love them with intensity enough to actually care. You know? You know, this whole idea of, of not wanting to convert people and not wanting to, like, Talk to them about things. I, I just don't understand it. If you really truly believe that, then, you know, or say that, I should say, either you're a liar and you are trying to get them saved, or you're just really an ineffective, milk toast Christian who's afraid to put a target on your back and not be liked. And you know what? You didn't grasp the battle cry, you didn't get it. You're not understanding that this is a war. And the reason why is because troublemakers, bad boys and girls, they are pursuing others all the time. The bad girls and boys, they tend to be more assertive than the nice guys when it comes to a dating relationship. Girls understand this. Bad boys seek out those who they're interested in. Man, they work hard. They wear you down. They pursue a girl. And you know what, they might not have great intentions, but I'll tell you what they do with passion. It's like they call you, they spend time. They're the bad boys. And you know what? They get your attention, girls. You can admit it. You know it's true. As far as women go, I'm going to tell you they want to have a man to pursue them. I don't want any one of you guys, and this is just future, I'm going to tell you don't believe that it's supposed to be a woman's job to chase after you. It is your job as the man to pursue her. It's your job. You know what? It is appealing to women to be pursued. Guys are supposed to want the chase. You're supposed to be chasing with passion for women someday. You know why? Because it's breathless and exciting. It keeps things from going (laughs) stale. It is true. There is something about being pursued. It makes you feel, yes, I'm attractive. I'm worth something. I matter. Women look for and they prefer men who seem to have a purpose in life. Those that speak with passion and knowledge and experience. I was waiting for who on that one too, but I was like, don't say it. (laughs) Um, Nice, you guys will catch it later. Uh, Go back and listen. Nice girls need to learn a lesson from the bad boys. They need to allow the things that they are excited about to come out with emotion and passion because it is extremely attractive to women, okay? Be passionate about what you believe. I don't care if it is driving a car, fixing a car, whatever. Do it with passion because it's attractive. Um, Bad boys. They get a lot of attention because they pursue the girls around them that they like. They don't sit back and just wait for things to happen. They pursue. They chase. Christians, the troublemakers, man, you need to start pursuing your friends. You need to start doing this with passion and purpose. And you need to know what you're talking about. You have to have the knowledge and the experience to know what you're saying. Not that you need to know everything. You know what you need to know? The basics. This changed my life. That's all you need to know. Because God's word says, be ready to give an account. Be ready to witness what God did for you. That's all you have to know. We are not allowed the privilege of keeping the seed that was planted inside of our hearts. It's supposed to grow. We're supposed to grow it. We're supposed to produce fruit. We're supposed to speak up. We're supposed to tell others. We're supposed to change others. That's our job. Our message, if we truly believe it, man, it should start to make people's hearts beat faster. It should start raising their blood pressure and expectancy, excitement. It should stir them up. There should be something inside them that's like, yeah, that sounds true. That sounds real. You know, if you are truly saved, that's why you're saved. So this idea of like, you know, I don't want to judge others and I don't want to convert them, that is your job. We don't get the privilege of sitting back and just taking it for ourselves. That's why churches have been so lackluster and so toast for years because people are like, oh, okay, I'm fine now. My family's okay, and now I can sit back and I can do nothing. God's word doesn't say that. God's word says once you get it, you're supposed to tell others about this. This is the good news good news this is what's supposed to change people's destinies forever it's supposed to make all the difference from life and death and people don't do it they keep quiet i want to end with act 20 x 22 14 in the new uh living translation and uh amazing scripture and i i this is from god because i'm going to tell you last night i was at prayer and uh It truly was one of those moments. I didn't even know exactly which direction. I just knew kind of what I was going to teach on and and what my plans were and started to work on it last week. But it really cemented it to me, and I thought, I'm going to end with that. Acts 22.14 says, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and see the righteous one and hear him speak. You are to take his message everywhere, telling the whole world that you have seen, what you have seen, and what you've heard. And now, why delay Get up, be baptized, have your sins washed away, and call on the name of the Lord. Everywhere. It's what the speed, of light, the speed of light emphasis is. It's what our whole thing is with fuel. It's everywhere. Take this message everywhere. Now, people have this mindset all the time. It's like, well, I'm going to believe. and you know, I have this idea. I'm going to do great things for God. I'm going to travel across the country. I'm going to go to Indonesia, or I'm going to go to wherever, south wherever, and uh, I'm going to do great things, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. But those same people don't have any passion to tell their next-door neighbor, their friends, their family. It's like it starts somewhere. I don't understand. What are you waiting for? If Jesus comes back, you, you missed out on everybody. Passion begets passion. You know what? Birds of a feather, they flock together. You know what? I love it when sometimes we get out, and you know what? There's just passionate troublemakers. I love the fact that people notice I love the fact that there's something about them that thinks honestly. Here it comes, like I said last week in the vision poem, Harold the freaks and the weirdos. That's what they think we are. It's like good for you to think that. I don't care because we're troublemakers and we're fine with it. It's good for you. You know what? We have something to offer this world. We have a, a dangerously attractive quality about ourselves. It might repel them. It might. But you never know when it's actually going to make someone's heartbeat faster. Be willing to say it. Think about it in the spiritual terms. What I read you earlier about dangerously attractive troublemakers. You know, think about it in the spiritual sense. They cause excitement everywhere they go. There's something about them. Their presence shows up even before they do. There's an air of expectancy when they're around. There's excitement. You could never and would never ever describe them as being boring or just so-so. They are what we mentioned in the vision poem, dangerously attracted to those people around them. You could even describe them as unsafe. Why? Because they trouble the people around them. By definition, they agitate them, worry them, and even disturb them mentally or spiritually. They cause a physical reaction in those that they're around. There's tension. Even bring, they even bring upon us the flight and fight reflex. They confuse brains and reactions. They cause people to feel unbalanced and unsure of themselves, and they don't know where it is that they're going. They exhaust and inconvenience the people that they're around, never about making it easy on them, ever. That's our job as Christians. Honestly, sp- I'm here to spur you on. Be a train wreck for Jesus. Go out and stay- say something sometime. I'm not saying you have to just go crazy, but you know what? Show some intensity. Show something. Let me see a pulse, Please. Don't make me walk over and just have to shock you every now and then to get a little bit of a jump in the heart monitor, you know, that there's something really happening there. You are alive, you know. I want to see life. I want to see something that, honestly, that we have to offer a dying world. We have everything to offer, everything, if we're willing to just give it to them. So I, I just want you to understand it's a call to arms, It's a mindset of doing something more than you ever did before. It's saying, yeah, God, use me. Use me. I'm willing to do it. And if you don't understand who Jesus is, it's saying, Jesus, forgive me. I'm going to try to do better. I repent of my sins. I'm going to turn from it. Repent means just go 180 degrees the other way. If you know this is a dangerous situation, you go that way. That's what you do. And you know all you do is you give your life to him and you say, help me. Live in my heart. I think what happens a lot of times is people don't have intensity because they never made room in their hearts there's too much sinful nature and not enough jesus they need to fight that off and they need to get this idea of what jesus has planned um, last week we talked about the vision poem and that's one of the things that says the vision the vision is jesus obsessively dangerously undeniably jesus you know we have what we have to offer but if we're not making it attractive, no one's going to want it. We have to make it attractive. Pursue. Chase. Seek after those people. Look like you have something to offer. Because we do. Either you believe it or you don't. All right. So I'm going to pray for you. I thank you, for guys, for coming. Everybody that's here, if you're a visitor, uh, please come back. Anytime. You're, you're always welcome. And uh, we're here all summer. We don't take a break. And... Uh, there will be, Ethan's supposed to be coming back soon, and and uh, there's always movement in and out. There's always new people in, new people out, but that's what makes it interesting, right? Keeps us on our toes. So, all right, well, Lord, I just thank you, Father, for just your message, Lord, that is dangerously attractive. Lord, it, it, it trapped me. It took me in. It, it, it changed my life, and I just thank you for that. I just thank you, Father, every single day, Lord, that you have um, changed my destiny, that you have taken a life that was eternally damned, and give a, me a life, Lord, that is nothing but a promise of, of life everlasting. I just ask, Father, that you just touch each person here, whether or not they are or aren't a believer. I just pray, Father, for those that aren't, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, to know who that you're real. Seek after them, Lord, to put other people in their path. I just pray that there's something inside them that left alive right now. And I just pray, Father, for those who do claim it, that claim that they are a follower of yours. I just pray, Father, that they would just really understand the intensity that you desire to put in their heart. And, Lord, that they would start to become dangerously attractive to those people around them. That they'd be willing to stand up and be counted for uh, part of your army. That they would be willing to fight. That they'd be willing to make themselves a target. That they'd be willing to uh, do the hard things and uh, quit sitting back and letting other people do all the work. They're exhausted. People are exhausted because they're the ones that are always doing the battle. Uh, You can only fight on the... front line for a while you need to fall back and we need other people to step forward and fight the fight and go forward and lord i just pray that somebody here tonight lord would get that understand that there is a call and i just ask father that you would help them to know how real you are and that you change them i just pray jesus that you would just be with us in all things that we're going to do tonight the rest of the night lord just in the theater and uh, just the time together in fellowship lord i just pray that you would just bless us help us help each one here and their families grow in you ultimately, Lord. And we just thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.